0: Well, howdy, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Cosmetic. Cosmetic CBD-infused products can help ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis with their proprietary topical CBD creams. My favorite is Cosmetic's Hemp Pain Cream. Each bottle of Cosmetic's Hemp Pain Cream is infused with 400 milligrams of their proprietary CBD solution, And you can get 20% off of your cosmetic order by using the promo code from this show at checkout. Go to CosMedicated.com, that's C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and use promo code SOS20, SOS20, at checkout, and you can get 20% off of your entire order. Do it. All right, let's podcast. Welcome into South of Scruffy podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing it. I'm glad you're here. I've got uh, Evan Turner on the show today. Evan Turner is the Drone Racing League world champion. The Drone Racing League is the NBA of drone racing. And drone racing is new. Not a lot of people know about it. Not a lot of people know about drones. But everybody's bought one for their nephew for... Christmas, everybody's uh, seen him out there flying into stuff uh, at sunset at the park. Drones are a big thing, and drone racing is driving this world. And uh, Evan is the best of the best in that space, and he lives in Maryville. This conversation was a mind blower. Evan turned 18 five days before we sat down for this chat, and he dropped more knowledge on me than I was prepared for. And uh, drones have become a big part of what we do in the, the film business, and, and you see aerial shots and all that kind of stuff. And at, we do it from a, from a professional standpoint, but, but not, not like this, not the first-person thing where you're wearing the goggles. Um, Evan is in it so much that he has created a company called 533, and they design and manufacture drones and drone parts. For the drone racing world. And, and Evan employs aerospace engineers from Boeing to help him design these aircrafts and his company puts these aircrafts and these parts out to the public. He's 18. Remember that this is one of the podcasts that I would recommend that you guys watch on South of Scruffy's YouTube channel. We're doing these videos uh, of the podcasts and posting them on YouTube Evan brought a few drones and some gear with him, and we talk about that a little bit. So if you watch it on YouTube, if you watch the video, you'll get a little added context because you can see what he's talking about and uh, get a little little texture to your understanding of what we're, uh, what we're talking about with, with these drones he brought. If you want to get the, uh, the YouTube episodes early and you want to support the podcast in the meantime, check out our Patreon. The Patreon community is a fun one, and we put out some extra material over there on patreon and we give early video access to some of the stuff and some of the other podcasts so it helps me and sam keep keep this thing going and and keep the lights on so go to patreon.com slash south of scruffy and subscribe check that out and uh let's get to the gooder stuff here's my uh my chat with the man evan turner
1: we're doing the podcast. whole bag of tricks yeah we got a a fleet uh, we'll call it uh yeah. i obviously do a lot with uh with drones and the, yeah. uh anything that flies i guess so we've got a, a whole little uh a pack of these guys so this is the it's called the racer force is what i fly on drl the drone racing league so that's a big drone yeah so this is the big drone we fly it's meant to be uh very uh, visually appealing it looks really cool it's these are lights it's filled with lights in here it sounds really cool. These big propellers and it's big, so it's easy to see. Yeah. Um, so this is the one we race on TV uh, on the DRL, which is like, of course, the show that's, that that premieres on uh, the NBC.
0: Yeah. So why is it so it why is it so big? Because I noticed you've got different sizes. Is it so big so the crowd can see it? Yeah. They so they can uh, fit all the flashy lights in it, and <laughs> gamify it.
1: Yeah. We really want to. They're they're trying to make this a sport, so they wanted to. Uh, the First thing you want to do is make the things sound cool and look cool. I mean, that, yeah. any cars they want to make them look cool. Yeah. And they Have the cool sound to them. So they did that. They took a similar approach to this. So this thing, these big propellers put off a really nice sound, mm. as well as just filling them with lights. Each pilot has their own color. I'm the blue drone all the time, but every pilot has their own color, and uh, everybody knows whose drone it is at all times. Um, so they're nice and
0: big, and they sound cool and look cool, the whole nine yeah. yards. Um, so for people who haven't seen drone racing before, professional drone racing. It happens in like stadium-sized venues, right? Yeah. So we uh, DRL races in
1: like uh, recently in the past they've raced in like Chase Fields over in um, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, so these are baseball stadiums, basketball stadiums, football stadiums. They raced down in uh, Miami at the the football stadium yeah, at the Miami f- Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. So they've raced in all these football stadiums, and they uh, these it's like a, a sport unlike any other sport in the world where. We can actually fly through these stadiums, not just down on the field, not jumping on jumps on the jump on the, sorry, on the field. We're flying through the hallways of the stadium up over the crowd. And it really is a whole, <laughs> interesting, like new dynamic to the sports of uh, a sport you can have inside a stadium.
0: I remember the first time I saw drone racing on television, it was at the Miami Dolphin stadium. And I was yeah. like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And it did not feel real. Yeah, exactly. It felt fake. It felt like a video game of some sort, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll talk about it. Like the lines are a little bit blurred, right? Yeah. So with your big, with your big racing drone right there, you're wearing goggles. Like it, it, yeah. Is that it's first person? Is that what it's called? It's
1: FPV is what we, is what it's called. Sessions for first person view. Okay. So we're wearing these goggles. These are FPV goggles. And that's a lot like VR goggles. I know VR is starting to become very popular and it's very similar so we wear these goggles and we look through this tiny little camera here on the front mm-hmm. and we're able to wear the goggles see exactly live very low latency what the drone is seeing and then we use our controller right here and use these two sticks and there's no GPS there's no any
0: we're doing all the controls manually mm-hmm. via these two sticks right here and that's that's elevation that's pitch yaw it's yeah. So How how many different axes are you working with? there's four axes, and we're combining
1: them all at the same time. So uh, we have the left stick going up. That's throttle, so that's what makes it go up and down. Or if you're tilted, it makes it go faster or slower. Yeah. And then you have roll, which is this right stick back and forth, which makes it roll to the right or to the left. Mm -hmm. And then you have the right stick back and forth, which is pitch, which is pitch back and pitch forward. That brings the the –
0: nose up yep, or the so nose down
1: up or down okay and then you have this left stick left to right is yaw so that's what makes it twist on its left or on right. its belly yeah basically yeah uh, in the center okay. so and then we're combining all of those at the exact same time with no help from any other computers no gps nothing um
0: the only thing you have is that first person view right yeah
1: we're just looking we are it's like a, being a fighter pilot is the best right. way to say we are sitting in the cockpit of this thing all from sitting on the ground and that's really a cool thing about FPV and the community is that it's such an interesting dynamic because there's so much tech inside of it that it attracts people from like your rocket scientists, all these people from yeah. all over the world but then it attracts the adrenaline junkies of like your ex-motocross guys, your ex-mountain bike guys right. who want to have that adrenaline of rush but they can't because they get in, they got injured maybe or sure. they don't want to risk it and they have a family or whatever and they can sit down here, go ride down a mountain, go chase a car, go do whatever all from sitting in the safe. It's safe. It's a safe sport and Mm -hmm. it's a really cool cross between technology and that adrenaline rushing group of people. And I I think it's a really cool uh,
0: community. I think so too. Do you guys consider yourself athletes?
1: Uh, That's an argument that I've heard a thousand times each way. And yes, I am a professional drone racer and, to a certain degree, yes, we are athletes. I mean, I guess the the argument would be like eSports, for, for example. Mm-hmm. If you are uh, the top video game guys, they're some of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And do you consider them an athlete? Yes or no? And that's not an argument I'll get into. But right. we are really, we tr- this is our full-time job. We train at this all the time. Mm-hmm. And this is the best of the best. When you look at anything in the world and you get to that top tier, you mm-hmm. can't just get there on accident. These guys are putting in the time. We are working very hard. There's guys like I train not only just sitting here and practicing flying but i have to take like a a very strict physical route where like i have to work out and like keep my body fresh Mm. just because that helps me when i actually go out there and fly to be able to perform under pressure perform under pressure have that mental stamina throughout the entire race so it's much more than people realize of just a bunch of guys who are nerds sitting there flying their drones it's a much deeper thing once you get to the professional level
0: right so you and I talked a little bit about the about the video game aspect of it too. Uh and and before we started and part of that was a simulator that you were talking about. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting like how how much they can simulate real life in, in on a game console now.
1: Yeah, so that's what I I mean obviously with COVID that's something that has affected us greatly, but I think that's a really cool thing uh, again about the sport is that you can't the Super Bowl can't couldn't have been played by those players on Madden. The you know right. the NBA game can't be go you right. can't take them and go play on 2K. This, it's like a video game in real life. So that means you can take it and play it on an actual video game and it'd be the same thing. So DRL has what's called the DRL simulator, and it's twenty dollars on Steam. You can get it on your Xbox, your PlayStation. And you can use either, uh, of course this is a drone controller, but you can use an Xbox controller, plug it into your computer. And for $20, you can be flying the drones just like we are. You can start practicing just like we do and doing exactly what we do. And, um, It's a really cool mix because you can go and I practice a lot of the training I do for these real life races is done not out at the field, not out in my backyard, but in my room where I'm sitting there on the computer and I can practice, I can crash the drone a thousand times. I don't have to go pick it up. I don't have to worry about bothering my neighbors. I don't have to worry about fixing it or breaking it, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And you can get so many hours and get so good so fast and it translates one to one into real life. Really? So that is so like unique and incredible that this sport can do that is because When COVID happened and we couldn't travel, we couldn't go bring all these pilots from all over the world to race. We actually went and competed for the world championship on the simulator. So I flew from my room on a computer and I competed online against all these guys from around the world for the world championship this year from my room. And it was it wasn't like oh you're better at the video game than real life. It's not like that. It is the same thing. You're doing the exact same controls. You're flying the exact same drone. It is all simulated to be just like real life. And it's really cool that the sport can continue and grow like that with a community of people online, even when none of us can go travel, none of of us can practice, et cetera. We can do it all from the comfort of our own homes with everything be exactly the same.
0: It really is (laughs) one-to-one. That's not lip service. Like it really does feel like you're, there has to be something different.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you don't have the crowd there and they're screaming and stuff and you don't have like that pressure of sitting right next to someone i mean like there's like social things like that but as far as like they and you know i can't i can't go out and say that it's one-to-one it's not exactly the same but but what tactically I, it is Yeah. I mean, the controls are the same and the way I would describe it, the way we like to describe it is the drone might not be exactly the same, but I mean, this drone's not exactly the same. The smaller drone's not exactly the same as the bigger one. However, it's the exact same controls, the exact same, everything else is the same, but you know it might not perform exactly identical. Yeah. So the SIM might not be, you might not be able to like take the exact stick commands and go straight to the real life and do the exact same thing and it works. But everything else, like the controls, everything is the same to where it's not going to be, you, just because it's on the same, that's why you lost yeah. because it really is
0: um, so similar so if I had never flown a drone in my life and I picked up this simulator and I got really good at the simulator yeah. and then I walked out and I picked up a, picked up the controller to this drone yeah you'd be a pro really
1: yeah it would be easy
0: and really? Yeah. So like
1: like I was telling you earlier, so the DRL, they get they, they have the 12 best pilots from around the world.
0: Is and that what makes up the DRL? It, the
1: 12 best pilots. Yes. Gotcha. Um, so and you're we, one of
0: those? Yes. <laughs> like the world champion, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I did win the 2020 world championship. So they uh, each year they do what's called the DRL sim tryouts, and that's where they take their game and you can go on and practice in the DRL. You can fly anyone. You can be on Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, and you can sit there, practice the tracks, practice. Practice flying, practice racing, and they'll they'll host a race series. And if you go through that race series and you win, not flying anything in real life, only on the sim, and you win that race, you become a professional pilot the next day. Really, and they will send you to a real race, and you'll be flying real drones against real pilots. And it doesn't. I mean, of course, you probably will have flown a real drone by then, but it doesn't matter. They that is how that's how confident they are that it's one to one. Really, you can go from flying a video game to getting put on a real life stage against the best of the best. That's how confident they are. And I mean, if that's saying something, they're willing to put you on a salary, fly you out there and get you all these sponsors. Like, I think that says that shows from their perspective, like a company perspective that they really believe in it. And I mean, even from my side, yeah, it 100% is uh, amazing.
0: So DRL is the NASCAR of, Drone racing, right? Yeah. They're, the, they're the biggest governing body yeah. for it's drone the racing. The premier drone
1: racing league. So there are other drone racing leagues, more yeah. grassroots ones. I mean, just like NASCAR, there's other people like smaller yeah. Dirt racing track club. racing yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but the top of the top, best of the best is the DRL. Gotcha. Um, and How uh, old is it? I think the DRL uh, is about six years old Okay. and that, that's what's so also interesting about the sport is the sport is so young when you talk about football baseball like the um, the mechanics everything of the sport has been developed over <laughs> hundreds of years but yeah. this sport is so new the technology is so new it's still developing so fast and each year is so different from the next
0: because it's still developing so rapidly yeah do and, you see big jumps in tech yeah and, and uh in some of the pilot's abilities and things like that that yeah. just year to year are just jumping, leaping.
1: Yeah. It's constantly evolving. It's incredible to see, like you said, the pilot skill. And that's the, the craziest thing to me is not only is the technology increasing so fast, but the skill. If you would have taken the best pilot from two years ago, like that is such a short amount of time. Like if you took the Super Bowl team from two years ago and mm-hmm. played them against this one, it would have been that crazy. But if you took the best pilot from two years ago and compared them against this, it uh, the, the world champion this year, it would be an embarrassment. It would really? Be, it's not even close, the level wow. that we were on years ago. And then I guarantee you, if you took the world champion from this year and compare him from two years into the future from now, it won't even be close. Really? Just because they're, we're learning so fast and there's so many new things that we learn every single time we go out and fly these things on top of that, as well as the technology that of course helps just like in like any sort of motocross sport. Like of course the cars get better each year and combine that with better drivers. Um, it's only going to increase faster And this, since it's so, so new, we're, leaping so far each each step yeah. is so big right yeah. now that it's really amazing to see how fast it's developing
0: that's great so what kind of people uh do you find in the stands at a, at a drl race <laughs> yeah it, yeah, it you, is you you spoke a little bit to mm. the to the adrenaline junkie you know yeah, and the, the gamer movie. like yeah. it's kind of everywhere in between yeah
1: it's so diverse not only the the pilots that are in it but also the crowd and you know it ranges all the way from like your, your NASCAR fans who are like, maybe look like NASCAR's not on or NASCAR's on. Oh, I just saw Drone Racing. This is really cool. All the way down to like, Oh, like you're like your technology nerds who like really like want to know about the technology of Mm. all the drones and they get on and like, oh, that's so cool. I wonder what frequencies, et cetera, they're using. And it's all just a mesh of all these different types of people that all come together and have this common interest in drone racing and like the pilots behind it. Um, So, like I said, you really find just people from all over from your grandparents all the way down to your 18 year olds who just think drone racing is really cool and want to get into it and be the best. It's
0: super cool. When did you uh, realize you were good at it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I'd say my story in, uh, drones have, has been, um, occurring for the last, like pretty much my entire life. I started flying remote control airplanes from the age of six years old. Oh, gotcha. Was so your dad into it? My dad and I got into it. Uh, he got me a Christmas present when I was six years old, uh, as an RC airplane. And Did you build it
0: yourself? And my, yeah, my dad and I it?
1: built it and, uh, it was, it was a foam airplane, pretty cheap one, but we flew it. My dad's a really nerdy guy and he like, we went out and crashed it immediately, of course, but then you get to take it back and rebuild it, of course, and learn about more things about it. And then, um, we like went out and flew it again. It's kind of something that he found an interesting and I found interesting and interesting. An interest in. And I'm sure as a father, you know, that like having a common interest with like your son or your daughter is like something that's like really like, it gives you a lot of joy. And yeah. like it was something that we could do together. It's cool. And we slowly started to do it more and more. And then I remember he got, uh, he got me a simulator and they had the simulators for RC airplanes as well. Okay. What well, was, it,
0: was this on a console or was no, it? It was on a computer. On so a computer. it's
1: called real flight. And it was um, very similar. It's, you can fly the plane on the computer. You can practice get all the same stick stick commands and they go out and do it in real life and mm. it's pretty similar and he got that and i mean i i was like eight so i got really good really fast because <laughs> he was at work and he had three other kids i'm one of four i'm the oh, oldest gotcha. of four and so he had all these, he i mean he was a grown-up and i was a kid i would come home after school get my homework done and practice 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 and i started to get pretty good at it and that was rc airplanes which is different than the drones right but um about the age of 10, I started competing flying RC airplanes.
0: Ah, I didn't know that was a market.
1: Yeah. So okay. that, and it's a, lo- it's a lot smaller, much more hobbyist. It's not like a career or mm-hmm. anything, but it was something that uh, I was just like, I got good at it. And then we started going to competitions and I actually won my first, I won a national championship at the age of 11. Oh, wow.
0: Flying remote control airplane. Against old men.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. I was like this little 11 year old, like couldn't even like see above the guys. And like, yeah. I was sitting there flying against
0: them. But that's not first person stuff, right? No, that's You're actually a, watching yeah. it with your own We're eyeballs. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> sitting there looking up at the sky, flying tricks and stuff.
0: Yeah. And were they like, here's the chosen one. He's the one. He's I, 11. You know, He's yeah. going to be the
1: guy. He kind of was, <laughs> uh, like I kind of developed and I worked really hard at it, or at least at the beginning. Um, and I, I still try to, um, to just get as fast, to get as good as I could, as fast as I could. Cause I was, you know, they say you want to do, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Sure. And I've, I'm very fortunate now to have, I do, this is my job. This is my career. And like, this is what I've done since I was a kid. Like this yeah. is literally, I grew up and I didn't say like, oh, I want to do that. And I want to be an astronaut or whatever. Like I yeah. wanted to fly, like literally I have a poster from fourth grade saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said RC airplane pilot. Really? Yeah. And That's, I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. And, uh, I do it professionally and it's like been my dream ever since I was a kid. That's super cool. It's so cool. I really am. Like, I feel like I'm living, living my dream. And
0: I wanted to play for the Atlanta Braves when I was eight years old. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That didn't quite work out. Yeah. And uh, you're doing it. I'm yeah. I'm so, I feel so fortunate (laughs)
1: to, to be in this position and like, there's of course being 18, I'm a senior in high school and there's so many, like, that's a, it's an interesting part, uh, I guess, point in my life for me because you, there's that, do you going to go to college? You're going to yeah. do this. And it's like, if I'm living my dream right now and I'm making things happen right now, then like I just, so I'm I'm deciding not to go to college right now. And I I have all these opportunities laid out in front of me between racing and my own company and like filming and things like, there's so many different ways you can take this and being where I am in the industry right now and having all this momentum. And I went from that six-year-old who was like, I want to be an RC airplane pilot when I grow up to being here, having all these opportunities laid out in front of me and just making the most of it. I'm 18 and I'm trying to make the most of all these opportunities, being on a podcast like this, trying to get my name out there, you know, and like, just trying to make the most of it and you know if it fails it fails i'm just like every other broke 18 year old in the world and i can go out with all these awesome opportunities and experiences i've had from a young age i actually um i was homeschooled my second semester of my uh, junior year in high school so uh, or my so first you could semester, race? And I traveled the world. Mm. I went to, uh, I think it was 12 countries. I went, I traveled all across Europe, went to South Korea, all across the United States just to race. Mm. And it was all on all expenses paid trips to race. I made money doing it. And I mean, I was 15, 16 year old going out racing, traveling the world, racing drones, doing what he loved. And it was just, that's an opportunity. Those are experiences that you can't get doing anything else. And yes, uh, like I had to went home school and I got to, I had to go away from my friends, but And it was something I I almost regretted at a certain point because like I kind of got separated from my friends and stuff, Mm. but looking back on it now, I'm so glad that I did that because I got all these amazing experiences that, you know, some people would kill to be 16 years old, getting flown to Germany, getting flown to Belgium, getting flown to South Korea and go travel the world being 16 to go see all these things before I even turn 18, 20 and have all these opportunities, meet all these amazing people. And I mean, as you know, it's like part of business, like having that networking and being able to meet all these people is so, so valuable. And. Owning a company, I really people always told me from the beginning like networking is everything, and I really didn't understand that until like I started to get the grow the company, and after I had had all these amazing experiences and had all these connections within the industry, I really started to see that how or I really became to become more thankful of taking those opportunities and making the Mm. most of them. And that's what kind of inspired me to, to go the route of not going to college and trying to make the most of all this while I can. And again, if it fails, it fails. And I'm just like every other 18 year old in the world that's broken, and has to go to college.
0: But if I can make the
1: most of it and make this into a career, then I'm going to do it in a heartbeat. Heck yeah, man.
0: Well, your company, so Mm -hmm. it's a drone, it's a drone company, right? Do you make, do you (laughs) make drones? You said you made that one. Yeah. Yeah. So my company that's is That's the smallest one of the yeah, 3 you brought. Exactly.
1: So this is a uh, a drone that's it's called the Tiny Trainer and okay. this is uh, exactly what it sounds like it's tiny and it's a replica of, of this drone right gotcha. here. It's so, about the size of your hand. Yeah,
0: roughly. it's about the size
1: of my palm. Are about the size of my hand. Yeah, like you said, it uses much smaller propellers. It's much cheaper. Uh, it's much quieter, and uh, it's a lot more durable than flying a big, uh, heavy machine like that. Mm, and, it's made
0: to crash a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a trainer, uh, just like any sort of like training vehicle, or whatever. Like you can kind of bump, like beat it around, and it's meant to take a beating. So my company started um, a year and a half ago, uh, okay. the end of 2019 or uh, mid uh, to late 2019, November and it was kind of me i started it on accident i kind of like to say is i um my i guess mechanic uh he was like the guy who built all my drones because i was traveling all these places Mm. and i was competing in multiple leagues and his name is armando and armando built would build all my drones make sure my drones were in tip-top shape he would come to some of the races make sure i was always under control and so forth and um he is a uh, air, or formerly an aerospace engineer for Boeing, mm. and uh, so he uh, is my business partner now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was my mechanic for uh, a, I'd say about a year. Uh, we'll call him a mechanic. He uh, he maintained all my drones, and uh, when I was racing, and then I was to the point where I was um, I had won recently the national championship that year. And all these companies started to reach out to me and they're like, we want to make a, so I go by heads up. That's like my, uh, my call sign mm-hmm. and, and, and FPV, everybody goes by their like call sign. So I go by heads up. Mm-hmm. And so everybody knows me as that. And everybody wanted to start making heads up products. They wanted to make heads up motors. They wanted to make heads up, a heads up frame, a heads up drone, a heads up propeller and all that. And like, that's kind of where the point where I got to, and I guess I've learned this now being in business for selling is you can all these companies will always be happy to give you a, like, give you the salary or give you like, Oh, he'll, we'll give you a couple dollars and we'll do all the work and so forth. We'll market you and so forth. And I had all these opportunities laid out in front of me, but I uh, actually had a few mentors kind of like within the industry. And they were like, we think that you could like, and uh, so I'll go back a couple steps. So they were wanting, we'll start out with the frame. So the frame is this carbon fiber piece right here. Mm-hmm. And, um, That is, uh, So all these drones, we build them from scratch, and you start out with the frame, and you put the motors on, you put all the electronics in, but the frame is a key part, and it's a a part that, of course, you have to design, and there's different things you can do, but I want to design my own racing frame. Mm. And Armando, who's a very talented aerospace engineer, of course, for Boeing, very successful company, um, he... Said, I have some ideas for making a frame for you. And it'll be, he'll build it around what I wanted. And we were going to design this frame around what I wanted. And then another company was going to do all the work. They were going to market it. They were going to give me a couple bucks for everyone they sell. And we'll go from there. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But then someone uh, who runs a business in the, the community was like, I think that you are in a very unique spot where you should do it yourself. You should, you could, I can help you get to talk to these companies and I can uh, get to the manufacturers and try and so forth. Maybe you could sell a couple frames yourself and do it out of your basement. You know, it'd be easy. And I was like, oh, okay, like that sounds cool. And, I was in a weird spot in my life. I was 16. And when you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, like, I didn't know. Like, I, I, of course, drone racing, any professional sport, you can go in there and like, you can be the best baseball player for, but then you're gonna, your arm will go out and like, you can't be the best forever. And that was, and I was at a, I was at a peak in my career, I guess you could say. And I was like, I'm not, I don't want to say I want to be a professional drone racer when I grow up because that's not sustainable. Mm. I'm not going to be a 40 year old professional drone racer, but I started the that business we started with Armando and it like took off and it was crazy. I didn't realize how good of a position I was in because when you're starting a business, of course you need reputability. And the way you do that usually is you have influencers. Like right now that's like, you know, like TikTok and YouTube, whatever companies will get these YouTubers to say, Hey, I use this and it's great. But I was in such a unique position to where I was at the, or was at the top of my community. And all these people wanted to run exactly what I run. They want to use my drone. They want to use this. And if I start my own company, then I can self market. I didn't have to pay someone else. I didn't have to give somebody that dollar. I was, it was all from me. I was doing all the work. Sure. But I was learning so much about business. Mm learning so much about running this company and like there's so much behind running the company of like, you know, just getting, even from like getting your business license to like sure. negotiating with Chinese companies and like having to do all that trying to make sure you don't get like taken advantage of. Like that, just things like that uh, as a company is so something that I had to learn and I learned firsthand. And so that was just such a cool experience that I got to to do there. And from there, it really took off. And like I said, everyone wanted to use my drone. And I, I was like, uh, after I won the national championship that year, I, we launched the five, three, three drone and or the, where the the name come from? So that is a, uh, so I don't know if you guys play call of duty or any racing games, but like, you know how you have like the sensitivity of your stick or the sensitivity of your mouse, Okay. And mine is on our drones. We have something very similar. And so mine, when I push the stick all the way to the right, the the setting is it'll rotate at 533 degrees per second. Okay. And that number is a a number that was my so everybody like wants to you know what sensitivity do you use or whatever. And mine was always I use 533 degrees per second. And that kind of became people kind of start to know me for that. Really. And then I say that that was one of the hardest parts of starting a business was coming up with a name. I we know. had all these things. I had all yeah. this had everything lined up. We were like, we need a name for the product and we need a name for the, the, uh, the company. And we got a, a logo. And next thing you know, like we just launched it at five through three, like at some point, And that's kind of what I've learned is like through all this, one of the biggest things I've learned is sometimes you just have to go for it. Like pull it, the trigger.
0: Yeah. Perfect is the enemy of done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if
1: you're always sitting there thinking about, Oh, if I do this different, if I do this and i might yeah. like this, you'll never get it done. And if I, if you just commit and go do it, that is the biggest thing I've like learned from all this is this, I just committed and went and did it. Sure, it could have failed and who cares? And that's why I felt, I feel so fortunate to have done this at the age I have yeah. is that I'm not 30 year old. And if it fails, then my kids won't be able to eat for a yeah, week. Exactly. I'm 16 and oh no, I like whatever. Like, yeah. yes, who
0: cares? Yeah, the stakes are lower, Exactly. I guess.
1: And it was, I've, so th- all of this has been self-funded completely by myself. So that's I was- That's awesome. uh, uh That's another thing that, so like both my parents, my, both my parents are doctors. And so they've been able to support me a lot throughout all of this. But I, I've always felt like some people may have been like, oh, your parents are doctors. And like, you kind of been like, they, they, you've been given opportunities that yeah. you didn't,
0: you no, didn't earn. No or, wonder you're the best at it. You yeah, know, your parents exactly. Are
1: doctors. And I didn't want- I didn't want that. So I was, I'd been able to win races and I'd been able to have sponsors that pay me and do deals and things like that to where I had saved up money myself. So this business that I've grown alongside Armando has been completely funded by myself. And I've done this all nothing like nothing, none of it was given to me by anything like that. It was all just, going out there and doing it. And that's, I I didn't think about it. I did it. And that's the, what I look for in like, you know, if in a person, you know, looking like personality traits is I love somebody who goes out there, doesn't like you, there's so many people you go out and they talk the talk. They talk about this. Oh, I want to do this. I want to go. Do I want to own this business and do this, that, and the other? And the people who actually go out and do it. And if you go out there and fail a thousand times, I respect that a million more times. And you give me the best business plan in the world, and don't do it. Yeah. And that is uh, something. That's what I want to be—that person that goes out and does it. And you're not—you're going to fail. It's part of life. And that was kind of my philosophy that I've kind of developed over these past year and a half mm. is that I kind of accidentally did this, and I was going to sell a couple carbon fiber parts out of my basement and now it's turned into selling motors frames and we're turning it into this like lifestyle brand we have hats apparel all kinds of things and it's just because that one day i was like who cares let's go do it and i think it's a very valuable lesson that i've learned um yeah
0: what was that decision like to either license your name and let some other company you know make a bunch of money and give you 35 percent of it or Or uh, pull the trigger on going in this whole vertical integration where you're doing the whole thing from racing still, which is the bread and butter, mm -hmm. and then creating the, you know, down to the propellers on the drones. Yeah. Like, what was that decision like to, I mean, to, you said a little bit that it was. I don't want to be a, you know, retired 40 year old drone yeah. pilot with, no, with no, yeah. nothing to their name. Like that seems like a sustainable thing. But what was that? Uh, what was that like in your head? It was, and again, it was almost like an accident. I didn't understand
1: then what it was, what it was I was doing, what I, so if I went with that company, they would have, yeah, thrown you the, you get 15% of every drone that you sell and you need to go out there and push this as hard as you can. Yeah. We'll give you 15% of that. But what I didn't understand is that what I'm doing by starting a business is that's a closed loop when I, so if you are an influencer and you're going out there and you're saying, use this product by doing that, you are pushing traffic and using your name to push things there. And then your other company that supports you, you're pushing things, you're pushing people and money there. But, the being in the position that I'm in, I it's a closed loop. So when I say, use this motor, it comes right back around to thus supporting myself. And that's another thing with racing is not only does the success in me racing or any filming that I do, that doesn't go support this company and does support this company. It comes right back around, supports the company, which then helps me do better yeah. in racing. So it's very important for me. The company is not what it is without, without me, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could say, and without Armando and all the things that he does. And that is, it puts me in a very unique position to where it's, it makes, it does add a little bit of stress as far as the like racing performance. Like, yes, there's a lot of pressure and stress that goes into each race because now not only does it affect me, it, um, I have employees, I have Armando, his, He's running a family off of this. And, you know, it does add a little bit of a pressure to like, yeah. I want to perform so that he can like be successful as well, because it's not only me that it's affecting anymore; it's a bigger picture. Yeah. And I think it adds a, um, and I, I love it. I, that's, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I thrive off pressure. That's, I love being under that pressure. I love when people are there watching because I feel like that is what's trying to separates the boys from the men. And that's what, in life and not only just in <laughs> drone racing.
0: We talked about it before we before we got started. Uh, about a lot of people have the chops. A lot of people can fly yeah. can fly mm-hmm. a drone really well. Yeah, but it's the part between your ears. Yeah, that separates the world champions from yeah. the hobbyist. Right? Exactly. We said it's like golf a little bit. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it really is because so. I mean,
1: obviously like w- people listening or you, you don't know much about the racing industry and what you'll start to see or what I've seen over the years is that there's so many people who get so good at racing and they'll, they'll post these videos of like, here's me practicing in my backyard. And it's like insanity of what they're able to do, but then they get to an actual race and you get to the finals and there's thousands of dollars on the line. And now it's like, they, they have to do that on the line. And that's what makes it so difficult. And it's like you were saying, it's a lot like golf. Going up there for putting, you have like maybe the, the cute drink girl watching you over there, like all your buddies watching behind you. And it's like, you got to putt and make this for the win. And it's just like that shaking feeling. And it's like, if you are just off by a degree, then yet you're going to miss to the right by a, a 50 feet or whatever. Yeah. And it's so much like that. And racing, it's so hard to describe to people how much of the, a mental game it really is. Mm. Because if you think about it, so say you're traveling at a hundred miles an hour and it's like driving like a car for driving at a hundred miles per hour and you have to stop by X point. If you put on the brakes at X point, okay, you're gonna stop there. But say you do it a half second later and you're traveling at a hundred miles per hour, that might be a hundred feet that you're right. off. And say we're traveling, we're flying down the straightaway at a hundred miles an hour and you're sitting there under that pressure and you have a drone to your right, a drone right in front of you. And you're trying to calculate all these things. Think about the next best line that you're going to take to pass this guy. And you have to move this stick perfectly at under no hesitation at the exact right time, not early, not late. And that doing that under the pressure under all those people watching you, knowing that you're live on NBC right now and there's millions of viewers. That is where again, separates like the boys from the men. And a lot of the sport actually is dominated by very, very young people. I would say the, uh, the, some of the best pilots in the world right now are between the ages of 12 and 16. Mm. And what you'll see from those guys is they will post some of the best footage in the world. But what it takes to get to like the top level and to to win that big race is there's a certain level of like um, like professionalism that you have to take. And like you can't let things get in your head. And like people like when there's money on the line, like all bets are off and like not that people play dirty, but like – there again like there's there you're we're all best friends off the track but mm-hmm. like once you gets on the track like that's like you're trying to pay the bills you're trying to yeah. you're trying to win this race sure. so that's where you'll start to see like the younger kids or the people who are not who haven't been in the sport as long is that they'll kind of crumble under that pressure and they haven't been there but that's where there's that certain level of like um maturity that you have to have to get to that next level, to not get, to not just get the good qualifying to time, but actually compete under when all the mind games are being played, when the trash talking has happened. And I mean, like, you know, I feel bad. I really do like, you know, trash talking like a 14 year old. Yeah. It's gotta be hard. It is. But like, and it's so funny. (laughs) Like, I think it's hilarious because like, there's some of the best reigns from like ages 30 to like 14. And to see a 14 year old, like look over at a 30 year old and like glare at him or like talk (laughs) crap to him. Like, it's so funny. And that's, what's really cool again about the sport is that it doesn't matter if you're 14 it doesn't matter if you're 30 it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor everything comes down to what you do with the sticks when it comes to the actual race mm-hmm. and that really is like a it's a level playing field throughout the whole sure. thing and that's what you don't get in other sports is like if you're 14 and you're playing baseball you're not mm-hmm. going to have arm strength to have, like be in the major leagues yeah. but you can be 12 and go out and beat the crap out of me and it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter for 12 and it's just i think that's such a cool part of the it's sport really cool and that um And it's, I've known so much, I've gotten to see all these, like, I guess I've grown up with all these kids, I guess that have, we've been racing together since we were like 13 and we've grown up together to now, like I've been doing this for about drones for about five years, but Mm. planes my entire life. And we've grown up together. And it's just been so cool that we've been able to compete with these old guys, beat these old guys, old guys beat us. But we're at the end of the day when you go down there, put down the goggles. We're all on the same playing field, no matter what. And That's I think awesome. it's, I
0: think it's really cool. Are you the
1: old guy on the tour now, dude? It's sad. <laughs> it really is. Um, you so turned eighteen on, last week. Yeah. <laughs> on DRL, so on DRL, the age limit is uh, sixteen right now. Okay. And I uh, was the youngest pilot ever to be on DRL at seventeen. Ah. I got out when I was 16. I competed. I won uh, when I was 17, and I, I turned 18 like three days ago. Um, but I would say the average age for the guys on the DRL because they they're that is the top guys. And like I was telling you, it's there's it's so easy for these young kids to get so good. They can practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. But to get to that next level, there's a really a certain level of maturity. And like I mean, you start to get it like. Even just like human nature, as you get older, you start to develop a certain level of maturity, being able to handle yourself under pressure, being able to like push off. The things that the kids struggle with the most is like having a bad heat and coming back in. Like they get like, oh, somebody saw me like mess mm-hmm. up. Like, oh, I'm scared. And I'm terrible to, like, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as an adult, you start to like kind of be able to push that away. And that's what kind of puts them at a higher tier. So the, I'd say most of them age from around – um, 22 to like 30, I would say on the DRL and I'm the youngest, I'm the baby of the show. They always you still are uh, on the show that is, but okay. on, on the other leagues. So like w- there's other leagues, it's called multi GP and they're like a grassroots league mm. and that's where anybody can race. And that's where we're racing drones that are more similar to this,
0: that are much faster. Um, that's the, we didn't really talk about that yeah. drone. So that's your, uh, that's <laughs> the middle. Trying to, trying to explain yeah, the to the middle. audio only, yeah, uh, sure. uh, listeners. So this
1: is like the, the middle class drone I'd say. So it's not the small one it's that the, I would practice with. Right. This is a race drone that I would fly in like your, your local race. Gotcha. Um, and that we fly these, um, all around the world. And this is what, so DRL is a professional league. Only the 12 best pilots fly these drones. Yeah. But if you want to get on the DRL, you of course have to build a name for yourself yeah. unless you do it through the SIM. Um, and that's, we've, we fly drones like this and they fly upwards of 120 miles an hour. They're super fast.
0: Wow. And, um, so that's faster than that one, than the yeah, big one, than exactly. the one you guys yeah. race on tour. Yeah.
1: The ones we fly on tour or whatever, those are a little bit slower just because these are like almost impossible to watch because going 120 miles per hour, it's like impossible to even comprehend what's happening almost. Yeah. Um, so it is crazy, crazy fast. And of course we can put GoPros on them and chase and film people as well.
0: Yeah. It looks like an erector set. Like it looks like you kind of built it out of carbon fiber and Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of, it looks a little less finished than, than those two guys do. So these are like,
1: um, you, it's like really like a, almost an engineering, like puzzle or like, uh, I don't know some of you get like you're like husband for Christmas is like you get your carbon fiber parts, you build all that together, bolt it all together. Then you get your motors, you put them on there. And then like, it's an engineer's dream that you you get your electronics, you solder, you have to learn how to solder. So that's like the tech side to it and the education side to it. You get on there and you have to solder up all the motors. And then you plug that into your flight controller. And then you have to get your video working where you can see through the goggles. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go in and program it. And like there's, and that's, it's gotten easier and easier over the years. But it's like um, really something that you have to learn how to build. And that's, there's that barrier that we're trying to get lower and lower, that barrier of gotcha. entry to where like you can't just, no 13 year old is gonna be able to go out there and just throw this together or no normal one. There are 13 year olds who've done it. Um, and that's where their dads, that's another cool thing where dads can get involved with yeah. with their kids. Oh, hey, son, like we can build this together. You can go out and fly it and you can practice on the simulator and then you can we can go out and fly this together. We can, I can get a goggle. We can race each other. Like me and my dad race each other all the time. Um, And he, my dad races as well now to this day. And obviously he's not your best, the best pilot in the world, but he yeah. loves every second of it. He yeah. has so much fun and we can do it together.
0: So you're trying to get that barrier of entry lower yeah, to where tr- you, to where at least, Stigma wise, you don't have to be uh this brilliant engineer or this yeah. you know this, yeah, exactly. or somebody who's got, you know, five thousand dollars to burn either. Yeah. I could- all has to come down in order to grow the sport, yeah, right? exactly. And I would say,
1: so the barrier, as far as the cost goes, I would say, so this drone right here, this is- That's the one train. that you make. Yeah, this is, you could get this all up for about 300 bucks. Really? And it's, uh, we raced them. I actually just got back from St. Louis last weekend and we had a race, uh, racing these in a where, an abandoned warehouse in St. Louis. It was nice. super cool. They have LEDs in them and we were all racing. So that's $300. And I would say a good budget, you could get into this for less than $1,000 mm-hmm. for sure. And you need, so this controller that we sell- $250 controller. That's yours too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the goggles, those are the most expensive part mm. and they're about, they run about 500
0: bucks. And you, all, all of these you've made the the goggles, the is goggles, your company No, the 533? goggles, goggles okay. are not my company.
1: Okay. That's a company called fat shark. Okay. And, but uh, you made the, you made the RC control. Yep. And the, the website is fly 533com And that's okay. F I V E. And then three, three, the numbers.com. So five spelled out fly yep. F I V E yep. three, three.com. Yeah. Gotcha. And, um, so you get the radio for two, 200 bucks, goggles for about 500 and then a $300 drone. Yeah. And then there'll be – I'd say you'd probably get – you'd get closer leaning to about $1,500 because you'll need some batteries and some chargers and some yeah. – misle- you'll need a soldering iron to solder some. Um, but other than that, like you were saying, like the bit, uh, lowering the barrier of entry and making it less hard to, to get into. So that's something my company is trying to work hard, a lot harder in is make it less expensive, but also easier to get into. So some of the products we're coming out with now are, we're, um, so Right now, you'll see here that there's um, solder joints right here that you have to solder. And that's very, very difficult mm-hmm. to sit there. And like, of course, no 13-year-old's going to be like, let me get my soldering iron out and like do this perfectly.
0: Burn and, your fingers yeah, off. Yeah, burn your fingers <laughs> off. Uh, the thing's
1: at 350 degrees Celsius, like you're going to, that hurts. Um so what we're coming out with is we're going to get that done from the factory. So we get the motors and they're going to have a plug. So you'll they'll have like a plug that looks uh, a lot like this one right here. Yeah. Um, and that's that's like usually a yeah. It's usually, that's usually what we use to plug our battery in. Yeah. But we can use those exact same plugs to plug in our motors that we found. So we're going to get those soldered up and uh, from the factory, and then you get your um, ESC, which is like the uh, the The powerhouse, I guess, of the drone, Mm -hmm. and then those will come pre-soldered up, and then all you have to do is plug in your motors, then you bolt that to the drone, and then you can plug in your camera and plug it. So that's what we're working, and that's what I'm like trying to work to develop. Gotcha. Is not only try and make some of the best racing products, some of the best products out there, but we're trying to make it easier and better for everyone to get in this sport because. At the end of the day, like, yes, I want to race and do the best that I can. But at the end of the day, we have to grow the sport for it to get anywhere, for it to be the full-time job for someone someday. And to lower that barrier of entry to bring more people into it is really what we're trying to do. And Mm. so that's what uh, me, not only am I trying to make great products again,
0: but I'm trying to make it easier for anyone and everyone to grow the
1: sport as a whole.
0: Yeah. There's like this, this delicate dance. It feels like to where you still want to get the hobbyists, the model car guys, the guys who still want to build something and tactically put something together. Yeah. You know, otherwise they're just going to go buy a Mavic exactly. Pro or something and like that. You, you really hit on an interesting point there because so so many people have asked, you can, get,
1: you can buy a drone ready to fly. So mm-hmm. you can buy an FPV drone ready to fly and all you'll do is you'll get your controller, get your goggles, you'll plug it in and you can go fly it. There's no building that has to be done. Right. You'll have to pay somebody to build it, of course, but like we have thought about doing that. But like you were saying, like then, so let's say they go out, they run into a tree at hundred miles an hour. And now they have a broken drone and they Mm -hmm. have no idea how to fix it. They have no clue what went into it. And I I don't like, I don't like that. I want, I think there's a certain education aspect to it that can inspire a lot of kids to not just sit there and play on the video game. Because yes, this is a really fun, like of course video games, parents are like, get off your video game or whatever. And this is a really cool mix between playing a video game Mm -hmm. and like having a good time competing against all your friends and stuff and learning how to like program drones and like technology and things like that. And the, that's really what got me into it. And what I want to be able to have is like an all plug. I don't want you to have to solder, but I want you to have to put together the carbon fiber pieces, bolt it together. I want you to have to plug in the motors, Mm -hmm. plug everything together and know you're not going to be soldering. it. No, it won't be like like uh, an engineering experiment where you're like sitting there uh, soldering everything, but you'll still get the exact same concept. You'll still have to go in and plug it in, figure some things out. Mm -hmm. And that's more tailoring towards not only the people who like don't want to get into that and the kids but also tailoring towards people who do want to have that experience like that immersive
0: experience of where they're in there building their own drum and feel like you learn something too yeah. or get better oh, at totally. something while while you're doing it yeah speaking of which each propeller has its own motor it looks like yeah. right mm-hmm. um so each each motor then connects to some kind of motherboard it looks like yeah. in there so uh, and then And then there's this whole video aspect to it too. So there's like, there's this, like, I'll say it again, this like model car kind of feel to it Mm -hmm. where you're building something. But then there's also this extra tech bump where you're talking about, uh, certain bands of, of frequencies, frequencies yeah. and, and, and things like that. So it is like a very well-rounded oh, kind of yeah. engineering, uh, uh, an opportunity to educate people on yeah. a lot of different aspects. Of- For sure. And that, I was telling you earlier that like, there's some people who are
1: really good at flying, but maybe not so good at building. And some mm-hmm. people who are really good at building, but not so good at flying. It just depends what you like, but it's really cool. Whether or not you like building, you're going you're gonna to have to fly and whether or not you like flying, you'll get to build as well. And it's like you kind of yeah. get roped into both of it at once. <laughs> and um, so yeah, like you were saying, there is like the model car experience where like you're, you're building your car, you're plugging in your motor, you're getting it to connect to your remote and everything. But now you have this whole other system on there that is transmitting your video. So we're yeah. sitting here and so you have your controller, which transmits on one system, uh, or one frequency, and that's usually 2.4 gigahertz. Okay, which is like what your
0: Wi-Fi works. Yeah, so there. House. So
1: most – or you might not know this, but like on uh, most Wi-Fi transmits on – there's a 2.4 band and a 5.8 yeah. band. So um, we're using the 2.4 band to, to control the drone, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what's – um, going that's how you're your, talking
0: to it with no latency yeah, or, or very, very little, little yeah. latency.
1: So you're using the sticks and that's what's telling what each motor to spin up and so forth. <sighs> that's crazy, the math that's going on in there. Oh, it's crazy. It's literally a little computer that's inside of this sure. thing. And then aside from that, you have your uh, video system and that's completely separate from your controller system. Mm. And so that is on 5.8 gigahertz. And so that's, you can't use the same uh, frequency because then they would interfere. Mm-hmm. So it's a different frequency and that is where your uh, your video is coming through. So you have this little camera on the front here. And then you have your antennas coming out the back and that's transmitting to your goggles, which have these antennas on here. And you plug those in. You can look through these and it's just two tiny little screens in there and you put your eyes up against them and you can see exactly what the camera sees. And you go from sitting down, like sitting in your lawn chair in your backyard to being in the front seat of like a fighter jet. And you can go look at the top of that tree and you can go ride down that mountain and you can go chase that car, chase that mountain biker, et cetera, all from sitting right there, just moving your two sticks around.
0: How far does the video signal go? That
1: varies. I would say um I would say around at max five miles. Okay. At max.
0: Have you ever lost a drone? Like, where am I? How do um, I get home?
1: I lost one, but I found it. Oh, So I guess I can't. Uh, no, I mean, you
0: found it. You didn't lose one. Well, <laughs> I crashed it in the water.
1: Oh, um, no. So I had a technical failure. I was flying, 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 uh, and I was chasing an RC plane. So I was with my buddies. We were flying over this lake. Now He wanted me to chase this RC plane over this lake. It and was, film it? Yeah. And we were getting this beautiful sunset. Sure. It was so beautiful. And I was flying around, and then I, I had a malfunction where one of my uh, motors went bad or something, and it fell out of the the sky and there's nothing you can do and you just watched it happen from the goggles yeah like obviously i'm not gonna get hurt (laughs) but i'm just sitting there and it's like no um so (laughs) luckily i uh was able to uh so then i was like well i really want to find that because then i had all that's that's kind of funny like we're so motivated to find these stupid things because we have such great footage like so yeah of the crash (laughs) yeah (laughs) So then it's like all you want, like take the drone. I don't care. Just give me the tiny little SD card on there so I can take that back and like see it for myself and show my friends or whatever. Um, So we ended up, me and a buddy, ended up getting in this lake, like pulling our shorts up and just like waddling back and forth. Like just I know weaving, it was around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, and finally we ended up and it's like, oh no, that was a turtle or something. It's like,
0: <laughs> and then finally you find it. And then we got the footage and it, and it turned out great or whatever. Yeah. Was uh, it trash? Was the drone completely unusable? Any good, any usable parts? The, that? Some parts are
1: usable. Of course, like the, the frame and the propellers and yeah. everything like the motors actually are waterproof there. Really? Uh, they can function. The only thing you'll have uh, problems with, of course, if you leave it underwater for too long, like you'll start to run. Yeah. things. Um, but the motors can handle it for the most part, but your electronics, like the motherboards and the cameras and so forth, like the cameras are filled with water and like the motherboards will get fried from being powered on underwater. Yeah. Um, but the motors and like, you can salvage about half of it is what I'd yeah. say. Gotcha. So it's not a complete loss, but you have to find it first. And all, yeah. all, all we really care about at that point is the SD card. These and then the we'll motors. worry about the drone later. <laughs> um, but yeah. Has the uh has the military reached out to you about flying drones for them? So I I, I lied to you. I, there's actually another company. There's two companies. Ah. Um so the second company is actually a um we work with SWAT teams. Wow. So uh this is a company that kind of branched off of uh the original 533 and we developed drones in like um a, a uh I guess a Uh, a system or a uh, curriculum for these guys. And we, the drones we develop are very similar to this one. And, uh, what we would do is or I'll just give you a rundown. So say that there is a, um, a, um, Uh, A criminal and he's in and he's in a building and he's armed, you know, he's armed. You don't know who he is. You don't know what type of weapon he has, but you know, he's in there and he's hiding. And so normally in a, in the past, you would send a, uh, a team of guys, a SWAT team Mm -hmm. in there and they'd be, of course, armed and trained highly to go find this guy and make sure that they can get him um that's very dangerous of course you know he could set booby traps he could mm-hmm. be sitting around the corner with whatever weapon he has and boom they're like that that's a, a human life you're risking and that's yeah. human life is such a valuable thing of course because that's a family that's so yeah. that's so valuable so what we did is we took this te- same technology and we trained these guys to where they can sit in their squad car they take a drone that looks sits, fits in the palm of your hand and they can actually fly the drone in ahead of the SWAT team so they can go in there, look left, right, go look in the ceiling, go look in the attic, go look in the basement and get like, not only that, but like, I mean, we don't think about going into a building, like trying to find a killer all, mm-hmm. very often, but you don't know the landscape of the building. So if you can send a drone in there, get the landscape of the building, see if there's like, oh, I don't know, he's standing right here or he set up a trap here or something like that. And we have started developing drones and working with teams to actually s- training these guys to sit in their car, fly, send in a drone. They can record all this and then they can fly find out the entire landscape. the end goal is to find the guy, of course. And then once you find the guy, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. Cause then you can sit there and you have a security camera where you're watching exactly where he is live. You're on comms with the guys who are inside the building and boom, Hey man, we see you. Like you might as well just, just surrender. And if he tries to get away, then all right, we're going to chase you around. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, that you bring, you brought up a very interesting point and that I, was, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So. Well,
0: so this, this tool, it, it's a great tool for getting information in yeah. a situation like you just described, right? <laughs> yeah. Where they're at a complete deficit of information.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, of course the people are like, oh, drones are going to spy on me and stuff. And like, it's not, it's not like that. Yeah. Um, and of course we're selling this to like SWAT teams and we're not just yeah. going to go around and sell us to whoever. Um, but yeah, it's incredibly valuable to them because- we're just, we want to keep them safe. And of course we have, of course, these uh, people who are going out there risking their lives for us uh, to keep us safe. I mean, these are police officers, et cetera. We want to keep them as safe as possible and give them the technology to do so. So that is what um, kind of the, like I was telling you, the second sector of the company Mm. is we're trying to go into that space and that's completely separate from drone racing and anything, but we're trying to make, make a difference in the world and, and so forth.
0: Has, do you know if the FBI has any anything like that on staff? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we have competitors, so I, I mean, oh, really? <laughs> Okay. yeah, so there's people out there doing it for sure. Um, and then, of course,
1: you know, I, I don't know much about what the, the military has or whoever, but it is a, uh, a drones are becoming more and more popular, and the technology is getting better and better, and so cheaper. And, and cheaper and more accessible, and yeah. people are only going to get better at it. So, like for this, we uh, took the guys at the SWAT team and we took the best four guys at Call of Duty. Yeah. And these guys were like, Yeah, we play Call of Duty, we're pretty good at it. And I was like, I want you guys to be the ones that we train. Mm-hmm. And they all, uh, they were able to, I had, to, they trained, uh, I trained them for several hours. And we, I mean, I am a, it's very, I'm in a unique opportunity again in my company to where I have something over my competitors to where, I'm, you can get trained by the world champion. Sure. And that's very helpful because like, obviously I've been able to pick up things over the past uh, to how to learn things faster, how to pick up things faster. And I've been able to give them those skills and ideas to make sure that they are the best that they possibly can be come this scenario where they need to save a life. Um, and that has been um, as drones become again, cheaper, more accessible and more mainstream, that'll only become uh, easier for, uh, for everyone to yeah. do. But it's, it's been a really cool experience for me to uh, be 17 and be like, okay, Hey, it's Wednesday. Let me go train the SWAT team, man. Like you get some weird looks from your buddies
0: or whatever. But I mean, again, it's a really cool experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's super fascinating, man. Okay. So when you, when you first got here, we talked about the, uh, the three different drones and you told me this top speed for each one. Yeah. Okay. So the big one that you guys race in the DRL. Yeah. That's
1: 90 miles per
0: hour is and the top speed.
1: Yeah. And that okay. is again, like we can make a drone go faster, of course, by these other ones. But at the end of the day, when you're trying to make it a spectator sport, right? you look don't cool. want to, sound cool though look cool sound cool whatever <laughs> yeah. but you don't want it to be too fast because then it's like oh oh there's a drone oh he's gone oh yeah, yeah. and then when you're flying in a stadium which is relatively small when you fly through i mean a nascar track at 200 miles an hour like you get to see the car for a long time but when yeah. you're in a stadium going 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. it gets from one end to the other real quick so that's yeah. why they slowed it down gotcha uh
0: and then everybody flies the same exact drone it's like restrictor plate racing in nascar on the DRL, yes yeah. So we're DRL, all flying
1: yeah. the exact same drone and then that's where um do they check them Oh, well, they, we don't get to touch the drones at all. They're handling it all. They hand us a controller. They hand us goggles. And then they just plug in our drones. Really? So it's not even
0: your gear you're it's, working yeah, with. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's and, super cool. Um, so that's
1: <laughs> completely spec, completely like yeah, NASCAR, where they give us rules and we we don't get to touch the drones at all. And that's different from the grassroots racing, like I was saying, yeah. multi-GP, where we're building all of our own drones. And, or the dirt track,
0: kinda, if yeah, you're going exactly. to compare yeah. mm-hmm. it to stock car racing.
1: And, but that, so that's really cool. Um, but then we have like spec racing. So this is like, of course, the tiny trainer. That, that's not DRL. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do – so to be to compete in the tiny trainer races, you have to use the five through three motors, you have to use the tiny trainer frame. And that what that does is that gives you that DRL that gives like other people that DRL-esque experience because when you go to a a normal race with multi-GP grassroots dirt style racing, that's where <coughs> you can build whatever drone you want. Mm. You can put whatever propellers. You can put whatever gotcha. battery. Whoever can build the best one and, fl- and, and not yeah. crash it. Exactly. As- and that's where like some people are like, well, uh, he had a nicer drone than me or he had this and he had yeah. more or whatever. And that's where we're trying to make spec racing a thing yep. is where everybody's flying the exact same thing. And, right. that, and that, that's what my company is. That's we're doing that in the racing side of things is we're trying to make it uh, more fun for everyone. And like DRL has made such an awesome platform with DRL. We're all flying and makes for such close racing. Yeah. And you're not like that guy won cause he has a better drone yep. and that's where the spec racing comes in. And we're trying to make that a, a thing. It's fascinating. How fast
0: is that? Does the middle one go? Yes. Yeah, so the, the carbon the, fiber one.
1: Yeah. So this one, so we have the, the big one, which goes 90 miles an hour. The middle one goes about 120 Oh. miles per hour <laughs> and i was telling you earlier the acceleration of all of these i say the top speed and it can get they can all get to this top speed in
0: about a second it, so each one of those drones can get to their uh respective top speed in one second In one second so, so that one go, is going 120 miles an hour in one second yeah so zero Jeez. it can go from
1: sitting there to going 120 that's in nuts a man. Second, which is it's really hard for like a um T- for a person who's never experienced before to like think about that. I,
0: I, yes. Yeah. It, it really is. Like, <laughs> it you can't is.
1: even imagine. But like if you think of if you've ever been in a car that goes 0 to 60 in four seconds, like think about that. And then like four times faster than that, I guess. <laughs> it, which is crazy. Like from zero to 120 in a second. Uh, that might be more than four times. I don't know. I'm, I'm bad at math. Uh, <laughs> that's why that's why I'm not an engineer. Um But yeah, it's and then the the smaller ones, of course, we're not uh, trying. So we are, the idea with this is we, we can't, I don't have a baseball stadium in my backyard. right? So I wanted to scale, we wanted to scale down the, the baseball stadium and bring it to my
0: backyard. Yeah. And a way you can do that is by lowering the top speed, lowering the
1: top speed, yeah. making the drone smaller, making the gate smaller. And that's where, so this one goes mm. about 50 to 60 miles an hour. Okay. Um, and it's, um, again, zero to sixteen in about a second. Um, which still is mind-boggling to be fast. The acceleration of these is incredible. Um, but that was kind of the, the premise and the idea of the tiny trainer uh, from the
0: beginning. It's fascinating, man. <laughs> I want one now just from hearing you talk about it. You're probably going to get me into this sport. Yeah, Hey, well, It I sounds mean, awesome. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm just down the road. This uh, So 533, I um, run this out of my basement. So really? we ship all around the world. And we, uh, I have employees. I mean, it's kind of cool that, like, I have. I mean, everybody. When you're 17, you want to go to get a job, a minimum wage job. I have unlimited access to 17 year olds who want to work because <laughs> it's like, oh, he's in my English
0: class. You want to come work for me? Uh, <laughs> so it's a really nice spot for me to be in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I was watching this. Uh, I think it was an NBC special or something. That yeah. was a. It was a profile piece on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it talked about you know you went to Maryville High School and you yeah. do this during the day and then you come home and you run your business. Yeah. Is that really what yeah, happens? <laughs> genuinely
1: is what happens so i wake up in the morning and well so first of all i'm we're a small business and a lot of running a business is living below your means so like i i mean we were a business and i am like the the guy who's like the main like i guess face behind the company yeah. but i'm also the guy who's shipping out packages also the guy who's answering support messages yeah. like you go on apple and say hey my iphone's broken you're talking to some person yeah. from god knows where yeah but like you message 533 you're gonna talk to me and like yeah. that that's um it's a really like a, it's a smaller company it's a grassroots company but we're trying to of course if you if i do all the work myself and i'm at a position in my life where i don't have to go take care of the kids at night or do whatever i can do it all myself yeah and um but i'm also um like i was saying so we do have <laughs> multiple warehouses. So I have a warehouse in the U S with that. I run alongside uh, my employee. His name's Connor. He's, he goes to my high school. He's in like my English class. Like awesome. He comes and works for me after school. <laughs> um, so I go from school. I, I actually, my fourth, and this is shout out to Maryville high school for this one. Um, my fourth block class is four blocks. So I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to college. Like, and I'm running this business and like, I need, I don't have time to run this business and be in school at the same time. So they, they were working with me. And so my fourth block class is I get to go run my business as my class.
0: Why not? Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's such, and I'm so thankful to have like such a supportive school like Merrill high school. And I'm very, very lucky and fortunate. And I'm very appreciative to that. So my four, I get done at, usually I'm supposed to be done at school at three twenty, but I get out at one o'clock. I can go home, get everything done. And, um, Connor can come over and we can get everything done, but also like you, there's support messages and we're coming out with, we have to launch product photos, keep the website running, work on new products, test all these things. There's so much to running the business sure. and doing all that at once is really time consuming. So I'm having to do all that at once. But again, I'm in a position in my life where that's something I can do. That's... And I love every second of it. And it's, it's not like I'm doing something that like, I'm not selling like mattresses to like old people. Like yep. I'm doing exactly what I love. I'm making products to make what I love better. And I get to do it every single day and get paid for it. So I'm, very very happy about
0: it so are any of these uh any of these kids who are looking up to you as the michael jordan of their sport <laughs> you know what i mean is mm-hmm. uh, are, do you find any of them reaching out through uh through the company and and wanting to fly your drones just to kind of like get some interaction with you. Yeah. I mean, we, so we actually, uh, it it is kind of funny how, um,
1: so yes, I, of course I, I raced and like, you'll, if you get good at something, like you'll have the people who like kind of look up to you and fans. And like I was telling you, there's so many of the, these top pilots are 12 to 14 and like, or 12 to 16 and like, But we sponsor pilots. So like, Mike, that's another part of a business is like, you want to grow the business and I can't be everywhere at once. So we sponsor pilots from each, from different parts of the world. I have, I mean, I'd say we sponsor probably dozens and dozens of people from different countries in the world and people will message me and like, yeah, we'll give you free parts. We'll give you discounted parts to represent our brand. And yeah, it's been really cool to like, and I, I mean, it's not like I mentor like kids or anything, but like, uh, I, I do feel like to a certain degree, I have to, I, I need to set an example to mm. a certain degree. And like for me to get to the point I did in my career and then go and start a business, I I, I hope that it can, like these kids can see that and be like, maybe I can do that someday and I can yeah. get, and maybe it's not in drone racing or whatever it is, but you can get good at something. And if you have a talent and a passion for it, then why not take the risk? Why not go out and do that? And uh I hope that and that's what I at the end of the day, like, yes, I'm doing this to because I love it. But I think that at there's a, a bigger picture of like, yes, this could inspire other kids and other people my age that have done the exact same thing I have, but instead of going and starting their own company, they went and got the fifteen percent from the company who who got the bigger portion, you know, and I want to inspire kids to go out and kids, adults to go out and do the, uh, go attack the dream that they always wish they had. And, uh, for me to, uh, be like, um, someone who people want to look up to or whatever. I mean, I don't like to think of it like that, but then I'm all for it. I'm going to try and set the best example that I can for those people. It's great. How are you going to stay on top? Of yeah. The, of the game. Yeah. And that's. Or uh, do you care? Yeah. I mean, you've got a,
0: a successful company. Like. Yeah.
1: and But uh, like I was telling you before, it's a closed loop and yeah.
0: so much. So of, you need to succeed as a yeah, pilot. So
1: much of my success gonna in the business, out. it comes right back around. Yeah. So, and I was telling you, there's that more pressure from that but I I thrive off that. And I I want, everybody's coming for me all the times. And that's not only from a racing perspective, but a business perspective. Everybody's trying to make a better motor than me. Everybody's trying to make a better propeller than me. And that is always that drive. Somebody's coming after you. Somebody's trying to make you better. And that, and that's, I mean, that's how innovation works in itself from the very beginning that the second, the the first car rolled off the line, somebody else was trying to make a car that was better than it. And that never stops and it never
0: will drives innovation, but
1: yeah. And if I can go out and be in this position in my life where I can go out and I'm so, I mean, I have all this energy so motivated to do this, what what it is. And it's so easy for me to be motivated to go out and beat these people because I love it so much. And I, it puts me uh, again, and I've been doing this for five years and I've been trying to be the best for so many years and getting to that point. I know what it's like to be underneath that. So I know that like, all those and I know the people I'm so we're so close outside of the industry or outside of the the track, I guess right. you could say, to all these like the, the top guys are all so close. I know how bad everyone else wants it, but it's just wanting it more and doing things. My the biggest quote that I or one of the bigger I I watch load motivational speeches and stuff like that. One of the biggest things I like to live off of is Uh, do what others won't so that you can achieve what others can't. Mm. And I think that's really valuable. And it's like if, and I, so when I was a kid, like obviously my parents are both doctors and there was, and there I've been, they were very successful in school and there was almost a bit of pressure to do very well in school. And I remember being like upset that I wouldn't get as good a grades as some of my buddies or my parents or whatever. And, I kind of, but then I was like, I kind of realized now, especially that like I was, I was lazy for sure. And like, mm-hmm. I was getting upset that I wasn't getting a hundred on my spelling test, but I wasn't going out there and practicing my spelling words, or I wasn't going out there and studying. And my guy, my friends who were going out there and actually studying and getting better grades. And I was getting mad at them for that. Like that was, I, I had no reason to be upset because they're outworking me. And it goes the same way. I'm trying to apply that same thing now to all the things that I do now is that I will never be upset for losing if i know that person outworks me so i'll never be upset and but you're not going to let him do that exactly and that's <laughs> i'm in that position where i can really just outwork everyone try and and it's not that i'm outworking everyone outworking everyone i'm doing a lot of other things i'm i mean i'm in the, i'm also in the middle of getting my pilot's license uh to become a pilot for like flying like real airplanes yeah. um and that's another thing but running a business doing all this being in school i play the cello so i also am in music um doing all that it's not that i'm putting more time in than everyone but i'm just trying to take all the experience that I've gained over all these years and putting it into being more efficient and more effective and and than everyone to, to do all this and to, to be the best. And if I'm not the best and I know that person worked harder than me, I will like shake their hand. And
0: like, I mean, I yeah. totally respect that because I've been there before. So your parents are obviously highly motivated, successful, people, especially, uh, p- people who are familiar with academia, Yeah. are you, uh, is there any, was it hard to tell them you don't plan on going to college? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my
1: mom's watching this right now. I remember telling my mom the first time, um, uh, that I didn't want to. And it was kind of like a weird point in my life after the business started to kind of become more successful. And like, I got on the DRL and I remember <laughs> I was at my grandparents' house. We were sitting in the ATV and we were sitting in the field. And we were like watching the sunset. I was like, mom. Like, I don't think I'm going to go to college. And, you know, she was like, he like, uh, like, you know, as a parent, like you want to, you want to set your, your kids up for success for so many years, you're doing all these things to, to where they can go off, be successful and do what they love. And it's so hard for them to like, be like, and yeah, you know, like, I, I'm sure you understand
0: that. I do. Um, I, I made that decision and it, had that conversation yeah. with my parents and too. And it, it's
1: so, and it, there's risk behind that, of course. Mm-hmm. And there's risk behind all of this, but, um, nobody's, I guess another quote would be like, nobody's ever really done anything cool without a little bit of risk. Like (laughs) nobody's ever like done something worth remembering that didn't involve risk. And I was, I kind of just had to explain to my parents, like, I love doing what I'm doing right now. I I truly believe deep down that I can make this something that lasts longer than just me being uh, good at drone racing. I can build something bigger than that. And I can learn, I feel like with the opportunities I had and the position that I was in or I am in, that I could get more out of these next four years, giving it everything I had to learn all that hands-on. Like I've always been a hands-on kind of guy and going to a class and looking at, oh, here's a business model. What does this do? And all that, like, um, but being able to do that hands-on, deal with taxes, hands-on, deal with um manufacturers, hands-on, negotiating, hands-on, not reading it out of a book, but reading it. But doing it hands on was just something that I felt I could learn so much more from, and that's what I I kind of told them. And I, they're they're incredibly uh, supportive. And of course, as a parent, it was um, difficult for them to hear that. Mm-hmm. But they they uh, I mean they know uh, I guess me, and they know how hard I've worked at this for my entire life, and how much I love this, and how big of a passion I have for this. And they, when you have that big of a passion for them, it's impossible. What they and my dad always told me this about being a doctor from a young age is the people who should be a doctor are the people you can't talk out of being a doctor because Mm -hmm. being a doctor, you know, you go to you, Oh, you make all this money, blah, blah, blah. But you went to school for 13 years and you worked your butt off for Mm -hmm. those 13 years. And there's so much stress, like you mess up and you could kill somebody like that Mm -hmm. is so stressful. And yeah, you tell that to somebody and like, Oh man, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Then yeah, you shouldn't be a doctor, Mm -hmm. but the people you can't talk out of it, that's the people who should be doing there. And this is the same thing for the business. When, Like nobody was able to talk me out of doing this. Nobody's able to talk me out of telling me this is a bad idea of not going to college. Yes, I might miss out on X, Y, and Z, whatever, but I feel like I have so, I can make the most of so many other things. Go see the world, go travel, go meet all these people, do this hands-on. And it's like a write my own story type thing. I don't want to, you can follow the... Follow the or the the road. You can follow the path, and you get to X, Y, and Z point. But if you go and write your own path, you can surpass that and write your own book. Sure. And that's kind of kind of the over the last year and a half. Of course, mm. that's required a lot of me growing up. You know, um, I was uh, I mean everybody's young, dumb, and stupid. Um, like fifteen year old at some point in their life, and I definitely was that. Uh, and and to to go from that to, all right, uh, it's time. Like, this is what I'm going to do. There's a lot of growing up that I had to do personally. And, uh, I, I feel like I've done that. And I hope that I have. And I, of course, I still have a lot left to go. Um, but I've just kind of had to buckle down and tell myself that like, yeah, you can't go to all the high school parties. You can't go do this and that or whatever. Yeah. And that you gotta, and like I was telling you, I have like, um, I feel like there's the people watching me and the people that I need to, um, like, like, I don't know, mentor responsibility responsibility there. there. And like, you don't want to go there and make a fool of yourself because say you're, you run the business and you you're good at drone racing or whatever, but then you go out there and be an idiot. You can lose it all in a heartbeat. Sure. And I just want, there's a certain bit of responsibility and maturity that you have to have to take responsibility for that. And I kind of had to, from a young age, kind of decide that's what I was going to do. And like, yeah, you might miss out on a couple of things here and there, but at the end of the day, to be able to uh, support yourself, family someday, and to have all those experiences is something I wouldn't trade for the world. It's awesome, man.
0: Uh, I got to ask you one more thing that Jonathan Halley wanted me to, well, I don't know if he wanted me to ask you, but he told me that you were, and you alluded to it, an amazing cello player. (laughs) Are you like. Yo-Yo Ma level? No, no. So,
1: <laughs> I've played the cello since I and uh, since I was in fifth grade and uh, in the Maribel City Schools. I've I've been to Maribel City Schools my entire life. Uh, when you get to fifth grade, you get to you. They like, of course, try and get you to do new things and like they. You have to play a musical instrument. I was never a good singer. I'm still a terrible singer. Um, to like play the band or be in the orchestra, and I had no older siblings. I didn't really know anybody in the grade above me. But I just was like, yeah, sure, I'll play in the orchestra. And, um, I, uh, got into the orchestra and from that, and I'm incredibly, incredibly competitive as you might be able to see right now. Like I, anything I do, I want to be really good at it. And, uh, I got into playing the cello and I took it super seriously and I, I mm. went super hard at it. And, uh, I was in the Knoxville Symphony Youth Orchestra, wow. um, uh, when I was in sixth grade and I really, really started pushing hard toward that and I really enjoyed it and, um, then I, so as I drones started to become more popular, I started to get bigger into it. I started to kind of drift away from like, not wanting to be like, I mean, I'm not going to be a professional cello player or anything by that, by that means. Um, but I, it's something that I, I really, really love. And like music is something I've always like enjoyed and found a passion for and no, I'm not some incredible cello player or anything, but I mean, yeah, sure. I can play a few notes here and there. And I'm, I'm in the orchestra still as a senior in high school. Uh, my girlfriend, actually, she is, her name's Ellie. She's an incredible cello player. She's like, uh, she's got like first chair in the East Tennessee state, like, um, senior clinic orchestra. Oh. So she's like really good and like puts me to shame. Wait, so any
0: girlfriends, a cello player too. Yeah. That's, yeah. Did you guys meet in the, yeah, uh, in the orchestra, orchestra? Yeah. In so, fifth grade?
1: No, not, well, I've known, she's a year younger than me, So, okay. I, but I've known her since I was in like seventh grade. That's nuts. Um, but she is like, <laughs> so like my parents, like that, my mom loves to hear me play and I'll play. And then like, so I'll play a little bit and then like, we'll let Ellie play. And she just puts me to shame. Really? And so that's nice. Oh, and uh, It's probably like good to see you get beat at something. Yeah. Every once in <laughs> oh, a while. My mom loves it. She's like, Oh, Ellie, you should play that. It's just, <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Evan, you should. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, my mom loves to give me a hard time about all that. But at the end of the day, like I did take it super seriously at the beginning. And like, I, um, want anything I do. I want to be the best at it, but at the certain point, there came a point where it was like, well, this is like something I really enjoy and I have a passion for it, but it's like more of a hobby. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't have to be the best at it, but I enjoy it. I have, I mean, I've met my girlfriend through it. I have a ton of lifelong friends that I've met through orchestra. And, um, it's just been something uh, that I've really enjoyed. And I, like Jonathan was saying, it's uh, just kind of a cool thing to like uh, a common interest. You can go anywhere in the world sure. and, oh, you play the cello. Like I love music and I do this too. And it's like a common thing. And I, I, that's uh, something really beautiful behind uh, music that I've that I've liked.
0: Dude, I'm so glad that you came by. I feel, <laughs> I feel inspired to go yeah. be 18 again yeah. <laughs> and make better decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. Thank you for this opportunity.
1: Like I said, uh, this is a really cool, I've watched a bunch of your podcasts here recently and it's, uh, I'm very fortunate and uh, happy to be brought on the show.
0: Well, thanks man. Um, spread the word. I, I hope we, uh, I hope your parents will be proud. Oh yeah. They'll be watching
1: this mom. I know right there, dad, grandma, <laughs> and papa. I know everybody's watching this. So it's good. Thank you again. Thank you. Take care, man.
0: How was that? How's your brain? That was amazing. I'm, I'm so glad that Evan came by. I'm so glad to talk to him. Brilliant dude. So excited to see what he has coming down the pike. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Follow us on Instagram, at South of Scruffy. Do the Patreon thing. If you want to support us, patreon.com southofscruffy South of Scruffy. That helps us keep the lights on in the shop. And uh, be good out there. Take care of each other. Be safe talk to you real soon Matt Honkinen play me out